You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. It's, it's always a joy to be able to come up and visit with uh, your pastor and his wife and uh, he, I'm sure he has told you stories uh, about me, but I have a few I could tell you about him. Uh, but I won't. I'm, I'm a better friend than he is, I think. <laughs> but for a few moments, if you'll just uh, turn to First Peter chapter 3, I'd like to share some words that might encourage you this evening as we look to God's Word together. Uh, we'll, we'll begin reading in verse 8 of First Peter chapter 3. You know, uh, here in these verses, Peter gives uh, three basic instructions to his readers. If they, if they were to follow them, they would, it would help them to receive God's best during difficult times. And I, I think we all can relate to experiencing difficult times in our lives. Uh, some uh, experience more than others. Uh, why that is, I, I'm not sure. But, but you know, there... First Peter was written to Christians that were suffering, and Peter was, was revealing to them he had some, some kind of prior knowledge that uh, they were going to uh, suffer even, great, even to a greater degree. And so he shares here in uh, these verses uh, three, three, three instructions that will help them in, in, to receive God's best during uh, those difficult times. And we'll begin reading in verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, being sympathetic, tenderhearted. Be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or insult for insult, or railing for railing, insult for insult, I'm sorry there. But counterwise, thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, hate evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it or follow it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which is good. Interesting question, isn't it? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. The word there is the same word translated in Matthew and the Beatitudes. Blessed are ye. Blessed are ye, or happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Well, it's easy for Peter to write, isn't it? When I'm reading that, I'm thinking... Teach for Peter, Peter, right? But, but of course, he's inspired the Holy Spirit of God, and he's, and he's revealing truth. But sanctify the Lord God. In other words, in your own hearts, honor Him and revere Him, set Him apart in your own hearts, and be ready always to give an answer or defense to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in, uh, that is in you. With and here's the way we're to do it: with meekness and fear. Or respect and gentleness, if you please. Having a good conscience, 
that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. And then verse 17, for it is better that, for it is better if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Let us pray. Father, thank you for our time together already tonight amongst your people. I pray for the next few moments you'll help me to share your truth that's found in this, these patches, passages. That would be an encouragement to us tonight and would honor and glorify you. May your will be done in all that we do and say is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are those three uh, areas of instruction that Peter shares uh, to its readers that will help them to receive the best of God during difficult times. The first one is this, we're to cultivate Christian love found, in, found here beginning in verse 8. And uh, we, we won't spend a lot of time in these verses here, but uh, here we're to cultivate Christian love one for another. Uh, we're to love one another, we're to be compassionate one another, we're to be uh, pitiful one to another, we're to be courteous one to another. Those are, th- those are things that we need to be towards one another. I am attracted to kind people. Uh, you know, when, when someone is genuinely kind, it's like a magnet. You'll, you'll attract people to, to, to yourself. But Peter says, listen, you're going to need, you need to cultivate Christian love, and it's for a reason. I mean, when you cultivate Christian love, and when you're going through a hard time, guess what? When that love has been cultivated, you're going to have Christians who's going to come up alongside you and help you and encourage you, and, 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 and that's the reason here. And so we're, we're to, begin, to cultivate Christian love, we're, we're to, uh, to begin with the love for God's people. In verse 8, uh, this, this love is evident by the unity of mind. Uh, there there in, in, in verse, finally, be all of one mind. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything, but on secondary issues, but on the main things, we should be of one mind. Uh, a church and a church body should be of one mind, headed in the same direction. And if it's not so, you can, you, you can mark it down. Something's not quite right in the hearts and minds of, of some people. And, and, and secondly, this love is evident by, by your compassion for, the, your compassion for uh, one another. And not only should we love God's people, but here we find in verse 9, we're, we're, not, we're, we're to love our enemies. And then, in verse, and then we're to love li- not only our enemies, we're to love not only one another, but we're to love life. You know, the day God has blessed us with another day of life. Every day I wake up, uh, we, every day we wake up, we're blessed with a day of life to live, to be a light to a dark and dying world. And to, we guess what? We're to, we're to enjoy the life that he's given us. And so the first set of instructions said, listen, guys, you, you who are experiencing hard times, if you want to get the best blessing during those difficult times, cultivate that love with one another. The second is to practice the lordship of Christ. Uh, this verse introduces the third main section of 1 Peter, and, that's, and that is God's grace it, it will be manifested uh, during times of suffering, if we'll not resist it. If you'll be willing, regardless what you're going through, or, or you will go through, if you're willing to submit to a sovereign God, though you don't understand, and though you may be heartbroken and crushed, uh, and, but if you'll submit to his sovereignty and yield to him, that's, that his grace, he's promised his grace would always be sufficient. And that's what this section is dealing with. These verses introduce an important spiritual principle that the fear of the Lord conquers all other fears. Peter quoted Isaiah 8, verses 13 through 14 to back up his admonition here. Here in verse 15, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. You honor him and revere him and set him apart in your hearts. And and Isaiah 
quotation is significant because if you look there in that passage, Ahaz, the king of Judah, was facing a, a crisis because of an impending invasion by the Assyrian army. The kings, of, the kings of Israel, the northern king, if you please, in Syria, wanted Ahaz to join them in an alliance. But Ahaz refused, so Israel and Syria threatened to invade Judah. Behind the scenes, Ahaz had aligned himself with Assyria. And the prophet Isaiah warned him against ungodly alliances and urged him to trust God for deliverance. There in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 13, Isaiah wrote, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him, God, be your fear, and let him, God, be your dread. In other words, he would say, you need to fear God more than a Syrian army. And as Christians, when we face a crisis in our own life, and when we're tempted to give in to our fears, be very careful, because quite often it's then when we make, uh, make our mistakes. But if we will sanctify the Lord Jesus in our hearts, honor and revere him and set him apart, we will not have that. We will not have that, that much of fear of men or circumstances. Our enemies might hurt us, but you know what? They can't really harm, harm us. In a sense, they, they cannot, they cannot uh, sever this relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. What's the worst thing your enemy can do to us? Kill us. Oh, what does that do for us? That gives us access to heaven and God and Christ and a better life. That's, that's the worst they can do. And guess what? The last time I checked, the statistics are one out of every one is going to die, right? <laughs> I find that funny. No one else, I kind of find that funny. You know, it's, it's all going to happen sooner or later at a certain place at a certain time. But, 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 but though our enemies might be able to hurt us, they won't be able to harm us. And, 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 and only we can really harm ourselves when we fail to trust God. If we do good, it is better to suffer for righteousness' sake than to compromise our testimony. Peter discussed that theme in detail. If you'll turn over to chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. That's that trial that Peter knew was coming. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy, blessed are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Do you see that? When we suffer for the name of Christ and others are watching our, our Savior and God is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if, you tr and, 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 and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? 
Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Do you get that last verse? Instead of experiencing the fears of what others may try to cause us to fear with, we can experience a blessing if Jesus is sanctified in our, in our hearts. That's the part of that joy unspeakable and full of glory. When Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, uh, each crisis, what, does, what happens? It becomes an opportunity of a witness. We're, we are to be always ready to give an answer here, the scripture says. You know, when you go through a hard time and if you have someone who's not saved they're, and they're close to you and they know you and you maybe witness them, they're watching you during those hard times. And during those hard times, you, you, you can increase your witness for the cause of Christ. And we find here that, that Peter says, always, always be ready to give an answer. Now, that English word apology comes from, uh, answer comes from the word apology, uh, which is, excuse me, the, our English word apology comes from the Greek word translated answer, but it does not mean to say I'm sorry. Rather, it means a defense presented in court. Apologetics deals with the defense of, uh, of our faith. And that's what he's saying. Uh, defend your faith. When someone, when someone, when some, when, 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 when someone asks about the, the hope within you, be able to share your faith or defend your faith in the right way, in the right spirit. Our, uh, our assistant uh, pastor, administrative pastor there at church, he did a series on Sunday nights on uh, sowing and witnessing. And he, you know, he, he, he used an example that we, we, should try to cut, we should try to share our, be a defense of our faith that, and say something might be like a pebble that would cause in someone's heart and someone's life. In other words, like a pebble you find you get in your shoes. You know how that's uncomfortable when you have a little pebble in your shoes? Maybe sometimes we can say something and someone may act as if it, was, it had no effect at all. But they might walk away and that truth that we share, that word of God that we share might be a little pebble that's irritating. Cause them to think. Cause them to think. But we must witness with meekness and fear, respect, not with arrogance and a know-it-all attitude. Uh, so one, said, so one, one writer said, we're witnesses, not prosecuting attorneys. We must also be sure that our lives back up our, our, our defense. Peter did not suggest that Christians should argue uh, with lost people, but, and we're, we're not there to try to win an argument, are we? We're just, we're just trying to win a soul. And so we're to sanctify Christ in our hearts. And it means turning everything over to him and to live to please him and glorify him. Now we all fall short of that. Uh, we, all, we, we all do fall for short of that perfection, but we, we're to be striving to do that in our life, to give him glory. It is Matthew 6, 33 and Romans 12, 1 and 3 combined into a daily attitude of faith, uh, a faith that obey God's word in spite of, uh, of consequences. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And then the third instruction that uh, Peter shares that we and his readers could follow that would help them to experience God's best during difficult times is maintain a good conscience. The word conscience comes from two Latin words, which means con, with, and seco means to know. The conscience is that internal judge that witnesses to us, that enables us to know with 
either approving our actions or, or accusing. And, and Paul set forth some, uh, some truths here in Romans chapter 2 and verses 14 and following. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the work of the law, wherein in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, excuse me, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. The conscience may be compared to a window that lets uh, light of God's truth into our own hearts, our own lives, our own souls. If we continue to uh, disobey, the window gets dirtier and dirtier until, until that, that, the, the light can barely get through. It gets darker and darker. This leads to a, a def- what the Bible says, a defiled conscience, referred to in Titus chapter 1 and verse 15. And then, and then also Timothy mentioned a seared conscience. A seared conscience is one that has been sinned against so long that it no longer is sensitive to what is right and wrong. 1 Timothy 4.2 Someone has said no and sinned so much at the same time, their, their conscience is not bothered at all anymore because that conscience has been seared. And then there's what the Bible calls an evil conscience in Hebrew chapter 10 and verse 22. You know, a criminal may feel guilty if he squeals on uh, his friends, but happy he succeeded in the crime. You see, conscience depends on Knowledge. That knowledge is, is the light that gets through the window. That knowledge is found in the Word of God. And as a believer, as we study the Word and, and we read the Word and we memorize the Word and we meditate upon the Word and we understand God's will, our conscience becomes uh, more sensitive to what's right and wrong. You, don't have to have, you won't have to have the preacher tell you what's right or wrong. Your conscience will tell you what's right or wrong through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And it's a good thing. Uh, today, uh, just just getting ready for church, I was ironing my shirt, and I and, and it's an iron that I'm not familiar with. I was I set the iron down here, and I reached over here, and I gra- I I grabbed the iron not by the handle but by the hot part of the iron. I didn't grab it; I just touched it, and it was quickly. I realized. That, that was my nervous system telling me, don't touch, let go. Folks, that's what our conscience does to us spiritually. Don't let go. Don't do it. You don't have to have the preacher there to tell you for week in and week out. Just let your conscience, which is being guided by the truth of God's word and the Holy Spirit of God, gives. the Holy Spirit works, works good for all of us. And we find that a good conscience is one that accuses us when we think and do wrong and approves when we do right. And and, and the reader there, Luke, says that it's something we need to exercise. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 16. And and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience uh, void or free of offense towards God and towards men. You see, if we don't grow a in, in, in our spiritual knowledge and obedience, the Bible talks about a weak conscience that is ups, upset quickly and, and easily by very small things. And so just a little bit of review. Uh, there's a defiled conscience. There's a seared conscience. There's an evil conscience. There's a good conscience. And there's a weak conscience. 
How does a good conscience help a believer in times of trials and opposition? It gives us courage. It gives us courage to do right. Lord, one of my favorite Old Testament Bible stories, narratives, is David and Goliath. David came to bring his brother some food and the captains and while he was there he heard Goliath cursing the God of Israel and challenging the men of war of Israel to come and fight him and remember there in 1 Samuel chapter 17 David says is there not a cause? Finally David picked up five smooth stones he said, I'll go and fight this giant. And if you'll read there, he said, I'll go in the name of the Lord. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not quoting verbatim. What gave him the courage to do that? He was, you see, he was confident that if it, be, if it be God's will, if it be God's will, that God could give him delivery. He flung that stone, let it go, and that, and that was the last the big giant ever said about the God of Israel. The last time he cursed the God of Israel. And it wasn't luck. It was providence. It was God intervening and made sure that stone hit him at the right place with the right velocity to take him down. What gave him the courage? A good conscience. It's right. When you're convinced, no, when you're convinced, not when the preacher's trying to convince you, but when you're convinced in your own heart and mind it's right, he just stand for it. Martin Luther. Inscribed in Martin Luther's monument at Worms, Germany, are, the, are his courageous words spoken for the church council on April 18, 1521. He stood up against the, the established church. And they were, they were wanting to kill him. He said, here I stand. I can do no other God help me. Amen. See, a good conscience gives us the strength to stand. A good conscience also gives us peace in our hearts. And we have peace in our hearts. We can, we, we, can, we, we, we can face, we're more apt to face the battles without. I'm going to close here with a, one, writer, one writer writing about the restlessness of a conscience. The restlessness of an uneasy conscience divides the heart and drains the strength of a person so that he or she is unable to function at their best. How can we boldly witness for Christ if consciousness is witnessing against us? A good conscience removes from us the fear of what other people may know about us, say against us, or do to us. When Christ is Lord and we fear God only, we need not fear the threats and opinions or actions of our enemies. And he quotes this verse, Psalm 118.6. The Lord is on my side. Boy, when you're confident of that, then guess what happens? That next part of the verse says, I will not fear what can man do unto me. Let me close with just a review. At times of difficulty, we as believers 
are instructed to cultivate Christian love with one another. We be brethren. I'm going to tell you what, the world out there is not, is not for you. The world out there is not for us. We need to be for one another right here in this place. This is church family, folks, right here. And the reason I can come and I can feel comfortable here, which I do, is because the Jesus in me can love the Jesus in you. And if you were to come to Ohio, you're welcome to come and attend our church. Guess what? You can love the Jesus and the people there at Carlisle, and we can love the Jesus in you. We must cultivate Christian love, for we need one another's help and encouragement during hard times. Everybody does. Or two, we must maintain a good conscience because a good conscience makes for a strong backbone to be a courageous witness. And number three, we need to practice the Lordship of Christ. What do you say? We submit to him as our sovereign of our life. Regardless, I don't, I don't know why things happen the way they do. But I've, I've, I know too much. I've read too much. I, in my heart, in my heart, my conscience tells me. Regardless of what happens, I'm to submit and I'm to yield because I want his grace. If I don't, I don't get his grace. He says, okay, do it alone. Experience it alone. I don't want that. I've tried it that way. Practice the Lordship of Christ. Sanctify in your hearts the Lord Jesus. Set him apart as first, revere, and honor. Hey, can I tell you something extra? Just takes one, though. Can I, can I tell you something extra? Can I have a hand? Just, I can tell you. Okay, he said, yeah, okay. Only takes one, all right? Only takes one in my place. Been doing a series on uh, the Ten Commandments. I want to tell you something. I finished the third one last Sunday, and come to understand I've been preaching for 40 or 40 years and through that study I began to realize how serious God is about how people look towards him and about him and he's not to be pulled down onto our level he's not to be uh, uh, minimized to bring him down to, 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 to look at him as, as what we may think of him God is God and we're not we need to keep him high and holy and lifted up as he is revealed in scriptures. The secret is to practice the lordship of Christ and just surrender to him. What do you get? You get grace. Grace is the ability to do the right thing. In times when the sun is shining or when the storm clouds are, are coming in, Last thing, Samuel Johnson said this, shame arises from the fear of men. Conscience from the fear of God. You think about tonight as we stand for invitation. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.